If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. A while ago, we did an episode, and in the beginning of the episode, we talked about there was a transgender athlete that won uh, a weightlifting competition. And yeah. the conversation between us was that we think that it's not fair. That it's not fair that there's a there's a there's a competitive advantage uh, in 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 many cases, and so we that was our opinion, and, and that episode went out, and then I got contacted by the Out Foundation, um, and their, the conversation was that that you know they think that we're misinformed that they would like to have a discussion with us, and I thought it would be a brilliant episode. Like let's let's yeah. do an episode on this. Let's talk about this. And by the way, the Out Foundation is a a great from what I see online. A great organization. They're trying to bring fitness and wellness uh, access um, to the to the LGBT community, um, and I think I think that's a good thing for anybody. Um, but anyway, they 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 introduced us to uh, two transgender athletes, Chloe Johnson and Bennett Casper. Chloe, in fact, had had a huge lawsuit with CrossFit, so a lot of people might know mm-hmm. who she is. Yeah, we got into that a little bit, and um, and so the conversation. You know, we talked about that. Is there an unfair advantage? And I think we still disagree on that. However, it got a lot deeper. We yeah. went into a lot of different things in terms of what it means to be transgender, what it's like to transition, the politics around it. I was a really good conversation. Yeah, it was just nice to have an open discussion and have like obviously we had questions, you know, sure. that that were you know uh, different than just the, the the sports angle. Like we wanted to know more about you know what it is and what your daily life looks like, you know, mm-hmm. being transgender. So uh, we we covered a lot of topics in this episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a good conversation. No, it was it was it was, it was I think it was uh, very informative. I think that uh, man, I had a couple things that Bennett had said. I was completely floored by. I had no idea. That there's you know close to 1.5 million transgenders that we know about. That's a much larger number than I was aware of. So, and I love you know I love when I don't know and someone schools me on something. And so, yeah. I feel like uh, you know and Bennett's a got a, a law law degree and background, and so a great person to have a conversation like this. I think when they first came in, they were a bit appreh- apprehensive because they weren't sure. Uh, what angle we would have, yeah, or what our was going to go, what our intentions were, and I think at the end of the day, Mind Pump is all about uh, talking about these types of conversations that most people are scared to have, and I yeah. think you get uh, you get situations where uh, the only the only podcast that would put something out like that is a podcast that's like an echo chamber that is you know pro one way or the other way for a lot of the topics that we discuss, and we like to go into into our uh, out of our comfort zone and have conversations. Uh, like this one today, and I think that I think for the most part, I think it was really, really, uh, really, really good. It was at yeah. the end of the day, all of us are the same. We all, the three of us uh, or four of us, including Doug, if somebody's cool, we're going to be cool. With we'll them. be cool. Back. Yeah, I, I don't really care, you know, male, female, you know, non-binary, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a cool person. You're a cool person. And at one point, we got into that conversation where. You know, Bennett talked about how, you know, white men and white privilege. And I said, look, I said, we can only look at the individual. And that's the argument you have to make because it's going to benefit everybody, especially your community. Because if people can just judge you on being an individual and in your character and how you treat people, then you're going to fucking win people over. You're going to win this this whole whatever debate or that's, ha- you know, that's happening in the country. But if we keep putting people in these groups and assign them these general you know, ideas of how people should be or whatever, or how they are, 
yet we'll never move ahead. You know, we have to look at people as individuals and we're always in support of that. And again, at the end of the day, um, the question of whether or not there's a competitive advantage, look, I, I firmly believe that there, in, in many cases, mm-hmm. um, there is a competitive advantage. However, these organizations are private. They're fully, fully within their rights to sanction and, and make the regulations and laws however they want. And you know what? Bennett and Chloe made a very good point. It's so early, we won't know what those you know parameters should be and what's considered an advantage. Because like Chloe, for example, transitioned when she was 15, you know, 15 years old. Well, she's probably not going to have an advantage, but somebody who transitions you know, from you know male to female at the age of 25 may because they've gone all the way through puberty and had... Mm-hmm. But, you know, so that's a good conversation. Like, wh- where should you draw the line and what does that look like? And they're right. We kind of don't know a whole lot yet. Right? It's kind of new. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, really good conversation. I really enjoyed it. They're really cool people. Yeah. Um, I, we're, we're all supportive of what the Out Foundation is, is, is doing. Um, so that was awesome. So now you can find uh, Chloe and Bennett on... Instagram, if you want to follow them. So, uh, Chloe's at at Chloe Johnson, that's C H L O J O N S S O N. And Bennett is at MX dot Casper with a K. And then the Out Foundation is theoutfoundation.org. And then, if you want to donate uh, to this organization to support what they're doing, go to theoutfoundation.org forward slash donate dash one. Um, I also do want to mention. This month, all month long, we re-released Maps Anywhere. This is our Maps program that is essentially equipment-free. So this is a workout program you can do anywhere. All you need are maybe some bands and your body. It's good for beginners. It's good for advanced. It allows you to scale up your intensity uh, to get your body to respond. It's extremely effective. Um, and we re-released the program because we redid, redid all the blueprints and videos. It looks beautiful and brand new. In fact, those of you that already own Maps Anywhere – Check your library now. It's already been updated. And for those of you that don't have it, it's 50% off. So we did the we, did, we cut the price in half all month long. All you got to do is go to mapswhite.com and use the code WHITE50, W-H-I-T-E, and the number 50 without any space uh, for the discount. Um, and I guess that's it. So uh, without any further ado, here we are talking yeah. to Chloe and Bennett. Enjoy. I really want to thank you both for coming on uh, yes, the show. Absolutely. Um, this this all started because so we, we we did we do our show and at the beginning of our show we do what's called our intro and that's where we just talk we just have a good conversation and the topic came up and I can't remember who it was I think it was in New Zealand it was a uh, transgender athlete who won um, uh, so broke some records uh, in competition and so the discussion was you know is it fair is it, is it fair and so we we have our opinion and, and I, I'm pretty sure you're both clear that we think. Um, that there's a competitive advantage, um, you know, and so we talked about it. And I got contacted by somebody from the Out Foundation. I wasn't familiar with this organization, by the way, which I looked into them. They're phenomenal. Their goal is to provide, uh, is to promote health, fitness, and wellness to the LGBT community and help people have access to fitness. And I think that's phenomenal. And so we got on this email thread and the individual I was talking to said that, you know, that we didn't have all the information and that um, our opinion was was wrong. And I basically said, uh, I'm, we're, we're very, very open to talking about this. In fact, we love having our minds changed uh, completely. Um, and so that's how we all got connected. And so I appreciate you guys both coming on the show and you know being able to talk about this. But before we get into that topic, I want to know a little bit more 
about the two of you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know a little bit more about you, Chloe, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because I heard about you through your lawsuit a while ago right. with CrossFit. And this is before CrossFit changed their rules. What was mm-hmm. that? All, how, how did that all happen? What was that all about? Um, I'm really bad with dates. I did quite a few drugs for a while <laughs> back in my youth. Um, so I think it was about 2014, 2013, 14. Um, I just wanted to do the open. Okay. And we contacted CrossFit anonymously just to see like what the regulations were because I've never had any legal paperwork or documentation past the age of 16 that didn't say I was anybody but who I am now. So I just wanted to make sure that I had all my I's dotted and T's crossed and so on and so forth. And then they basically, the short of it told me is that I couldn't compete unless I competed as a man. Mm-hmm. Now you, you said 16, since you were 16, does that mean from at 16 is when you made your transition and that's what your paperwork shows? Or? I transitioned when I was 15 and then everything changed over when I was 16. Oh, wow. So you went through the whole process of, of, of all that. Um, uh, do you mind if I ask what that was like? And cause I don't know, I have, I had two clients. Um, I used to own a wellness facility. We were talking about this earlier cause you grew up in the town that I owned mm-hmm. my business. Um, and I had a, a client or one of my trainers had a client who, um, was with a man who then transitioned, they stayed together. Um, and then they used to come work out and every once in a while I'd ask questions. So I was very curious. I didn't know anybody, um, who'd done that. Um, so I, do, I still don't know a whole lot of what that process was like. So, and you were young, you were 15 years old. Mm-hmm. What, 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 that must've been, was that, what was that like? And that whole process, was that a difficult thing? How about explaining the process? Yeah, like, I don't it, even know like the steps that you have to go through, how long that takes. Like, yeah, I mean, ba- I think it's a little bit different now, but back then, 25 years ago, you had it must to, have been much harder. Yeah. I mean, it just wasn't talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been around forever, but we transgender people, but I ended up changing high schools for multiple reasons, ended up transitioning. You had to do what they called the real life test. So that was dress as your preferred gender for a year before they assessed you to approve you for hormones. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. How, how do they measure that? I mean, how does that work? They just say therapy. Oh, okay. So, so then you, you do it for so a year you, and you go so see a you, therapist. So you lived as the gender you preferred and you did therapy and talked to your doctor people. and Luckily, <clears throat> luckily that's not the standard anymore it's for, <laughs> for it's a trans changed. person. You no longer have to say to a therapist, no test. I'm trans, and then you have to prove it. It used to be basically that you'd have to prove to a therapist who was not a trans person that you were trans enough to deserve their oh, wow, permission yeah, to pursue transition. It's like you're trying to close them and prove them. That's what, yeah. wow, I mean, you, you have to go to a therapist and convince them that you are who you say you are, even though they don't know who you are and now they was, don't know what it's like to be a trans Was person. it common that like someone would deny that? Like a therapist would be like, oh no, oh, really? she's not serious enough or he's not serious enough. Yeah. Oh, I wow. mean, this is what people don't get about being trans is that I'm going to jump the shark and go straight into talking about competitive advantage. The steps that you have to go through in order to sure. transition are insanely complicated and they take a long time and it's really hard on your body. It's legally hard. It's expensive. Um, it's a bureaucratic nightmare mm-hmm. that anybody would go through that just to gain some sort of a competitive advantage in a sport is ridiculous. Well, you, now you know where that, that idea, <laughs> now you know where that idea first came from. So I, I actually did a little bit of research on that. And the, 
the IOC started testing um, or, or, or saying you had to be your, you know, what, how you were born to compete in 1968, I believe was the first time they started talking about that. And this was because of fears over Soviet athletes, Soviet uh, male athletes uh, competing as women to win more medals. Mm-hmm. And, and now, uh, to be clear, and this is good for the audience to understand, during that time we had the Cold War, and so there was a lot of fear and stuff, but that's where it kind of first started that idea that somebody would do that uh, for an advantage. Now, to be fair... It's I, so crazy to me. And yet, well, it speaks to it speaks to the cisgender person's assumption that... that to be that this that a man in a dress is the same as a trans woman so it speaks to the cisgender assumption that like it that a man putting on a dress to gain a competitive edge in a competition he's doing that for his own sport for sporting reasons and for national pride i imagine the soviets were mm-hmm. really wanted to stick it to the west and all of that but in real like in in real life nowadays a man doesn't just put on a dress and go i'm a woman now that's not what it means to be a trans woman and i think a lot of people assume that you know when we lift regulations on trans people entering competition or doing things like cis people that all these cisgender men are just going to start putting on dresses and calling themselves mm-hmm. women in order to do better and you guys are all cis men right would mm-hmm. any of you put on a dress shave wear a wig go out dressed as a woman just to gain a competitive advantage I, over other I, cis men i wouldn't but i also think it's, yeah i, I think but. i think it's crazy that and they've done surveys on this where they talk to olympic athletes and ask them you know if if it meant that you were going to die in five years, would you to win the gold medal? Would you? And like eighty percent of them say yes. I think that's crazy. That's insane. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I, right? that speaks to a whole different level of issue, right? That's a mm. person with a whole different problem. If you're if you're calling yourself a trans person and changing your gender identity and your and your your body, yeah. just to be a better athlete, then you don't deserve to win. That's right. like that's like just hands down. Yeah, no, you're I, in the I, wrong. Place. I agree. And to be and to be honest with you. I, I think even if there were people who would change their gender just to win or try and win an advantage or get an advantage to win, I think that percentage, if it did exist, which I've seen no evidence of it, but let's say it did exist, uh, that would be such a small percentage. Yeah. It would be mm-hmm. absolutely minuscule. And so that's not really the the conversation that I want to focus on. Well, how because, do we filter that? Yeah, I don't really care. I don't really care about that because I think that's that's either not going to happen or if it does, it'll be the most rarest thing yeah. of all time. I think the conversation really is you know, is there an advantage? Is there an advantage for an athlete who, uh, you know, transitions? And I, I, I believe the IOC uh, regulations are you have to be the, the, you have to have transitioned at least for a year, at least your hormones have to measure a particular amount for a year, if I'm not mistaken. They is that what it is? New, yeah, they recently, they recently changed them. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It used to be that you had to have uh, if you were a trans woman, you had to have sex reassignment surgery and you also had to live a certain amount of time as your your gender identity as a woman and you have to have hormone levels under a certain amount for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. They've removed the surgery component um, right. because that's no longer a legal requirement to transition in most places. So, it, you know, if, if a state or country doesn't require you to have reassignment surgery to change your gender, then... It's kind of ridiculous right. for a sporting uh, agency to require the same or sporting uh, governance, rather. Um, so the surgery thing is off the table. But yes, they still have to have levels under a certain amount and things like that. Do and you, for people who do have surgery, your um, 
natal levels drop below what it would be for even cis women. So that's what I was going to ask you. Do you know what, what I, I don't know what the levels are? Like, how does that work? Like, 10 nano, isn't it 10? Um, uh, what's the, what's the, the measurement that they use? It's, it's 10 nanomoles per nanomoles. liter, yeah. right? Nanomoles. And that's, and it is, I know, that's why I yeah. have to make you, make you say it. Uh, that's, uh, that's the limit that they, that they should reach. But now this is for, uh, men who transition to women, um, and oftentimes they will measure up above, uh, up at that. Many times cisgender women will measure around one or two. So there's always that argument. However, there are women who, and I can't remember the ter- what it's called, um, uh, they have higher levels of natural testosterone. In fact, that's been a, a little bit of a debate uh, for a while. Um, and I do want to get into that that whole thing, but I want to know more about you, Bennett, because you, you compete in, in, in what sporting events in particular – uh, so I'm a former college, uh, or I played rugby um, pre-transition as a as a female identified person um, after college, and I played club. Um, I played softball growing up competitively, and then uh, started doing CrossFit when I retired from rugby. And I transitioned at the age of thirty, um, about four years ago, mm. uh, five years ago now, and continued CrossFit through my transition and still do CrossFit. So you still compete in CrossFit? Yeah. Um, do, do you know, since you're a child, that this is something you want to do? I've never, I, I've read some where people say CrossFit I've known. CrossFit? No, not CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> Both. I knew I wanted it to do It didn't exist yeah. back then. Yeah, because yeah, you, you just did this at 30. Yeah. So you, you did you know for a, a super long time before? Or? No, and so that's, that's a really super miss, uh, that's a big misconception about what it means to be trans. Um, in fact, the reason why it took me so long to transition was because I thought all trans people knew from a really young age that they were in the wrong body. And that's not, that hasn't been my experience. And it took me a really long time to realize that I am a trans person, despite the fact that that wasn't my story. And so I actually, although I am trans and I have transitioned uh, physically, I identify more as a non-binary person. So I don't identify as a quote unquote man and I don't un- identify as a woman. I identify as a transmasculine person who okay. is somewhere in between. Okay. So for me, because I spent so much of my adult life living as a female, I had a whole professional career. I had a whole identity pre-transition. For me, I I don't have the lived experience of what I feel like it makes what makes somebody a man. Mm-hmm so to speak. Mm. My lived experience is that of somebody who has experienced life on both sides of the gender binary. Mm. And so to me, I consider myself a non-binary person. Okay. What, what, so, it, what has it been like for you to live both sides of it? Like, what do you, what are the pluses and minuses of each? I would love to hear your opinion. <laughs> well, let me tell you, male privilege is a real thing. Oh, really? What it do you is notice? a real thing. <laughs> it is 100% real. So the other day, I say the other day, this was like three years ago, but it feels like the other day to me because I will never get over how shocked I am by it. When I first started to to pass, which is a term we use in the community when people on the street don't clock you as being trans, when, oh, you, when you are able to, to pass successfully as the opposite gender mm-hmm. you were assigned as, which is not everybody's goal, by the way. Not all trans people want to pass and they're valid if they don't want to. But one of the first moments when I realized that I was passing was I got into an elevator and there were like four other men in my office building that were in the elevator. I didn't know. 
And a, a woman that I didn't know also walked in. She had a skirt on. She had heels on. She was dressed to go to work. She gets in the elevator and rides up like 30 floors, gets off. And as soon as she exits the elevator, one of the dudes in the elevator turns around and was said something about her like, man, I wouldn't kick her out of bed in those heels or mm. something, something really shitty and mm. douchey like that. And I looked around like, first of all, my eyes get really big and I'm always like, he clearly thinks that I'm on the same team that he's on, now, which is I, a I, really I, interesting experience. Now, were you at first like, oh, cool, like they think yeah. I... Or no, you, I was horrified. Oh, no, 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 I was horrified because I was like, does he, who the fuck does he think he's talking uh, to like that? Like, does he, he, and he was looking at me, I was like, what about what I'm doing right now? is giving him the impression that I'm okay with what he's saying and that I'm inviting this kind of conversation. Turns out it was nothing. Short lesson I learned is that cis men just do that kind of stuff all the time. They feel like they can, like they have permission to. I don't give people permission to do that, yeah. but well, I, something I, about being a dude in the company of other dudes. Here, you know, and this is, look, everybody experiences this. Guys, when they're around each other, talk to each other a particular way. Girls can also do the same thing. Uh, we are worse. Yeah. I think we're worse. I was just going to say this. Let's hear your perspective. Yeah. Well, at least bit. I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, Chloe Chloe maybe is not. <laughs> I may be quiet right now, but I, I don't really have a censor to me. I mm-hmm. just say whatever I feel. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I, I think, you know, when, when, when guys are around just guys, we talk a particular way. I think, and I think sometimes that's okay, sometimes it isn't. For example, assuming that you'd be okay with that maybe not a smart thing they don't know who you are but they see a you know they see a dude yeah i don't think that's a male privilege thing yeah, yeah. i think they I see think, a dude with think, a beard i don't think that's a male i think they're looking thing. at a guy with a beard and i think that's i think that's an asshole yeah i think that's just an asshole yeah i think that's just an asshole that you run into and i think yeah. there's point i think yeah. there's bitches we out there too. those kind of guys that, off you that comment that comment was not necessarily an example of privilege i will say i will say that people give me the benefit of the doubt that i am right when i start speaking from the get-go you have a good looking beard that's what it is. <laughs> it must be the beard. I will tell you what, this beard, this beard is like a one-way ticket to success. I'm telling you. I get so much it's wow. it's ridiculous. I get so much respect from people just because I have a beard. And mm-hmm. so for all of you cisgender men that think that your beard gives you some magic powers, it doesn't. It turns out all it takes is uh, 0.5 cc's of testosterone once a week. <laughs> it's not magic, it's just genetics mm-hmm. and a little shot. Where does shit all over my beard? It's not that years to film this thing. Always hit me up on social media. They're like, "How did you grow your beard?" I'm like, "The same way you did, dude. I just don't cut it, and it grows. That's <laughs> yeah. what happens." How, how many milligrams of, te- of testosterone is that? Points? Is that 100 milligrams or 50? Uh, it's 100 milligrams because I think it's 200 milligrams per cc. Okay, yeah, 250. Probably. That's usually what it is. Probably so. 250, and you're probably that's a decent amount. Yeah, what's like your testosterone levels probably measure by higher upper, than mine. Yeah, the upper range of. Uh, uh, I just the last time I got my labs done. So if you were a trans person who's on you know uh, hormone replacement therapy you should be getting regular lab work done mm-hmm. by your physicians to make sure that your levels are stay mm-hmm. good and healthy um and the last time i had my levels checked uh i was in the like 75% range so you're doing you're in the upper range of yeah. of, of what's considered healthy yeah. which is higher than uh, yeah no i'm 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 low like it's, right it's different for every trans person though so just like every cis dude sure. has natural trans uh, natural hormone levels that are the optimal level for that person it's the same it's the same with trans guys it's taken me a while to figure out 
what's I, what's ideal what works for me and what keeps what me have healthy. you noticed with this is a great this is I'm so glad we're having this conversation have you noticed any changes in how you emotions think and, and feel like due to the changes in your hormones for both of you I, now, yeah. I, I remember now I have a family member who had uh, a, a testosterone sensitive uh, type of cancer and had to go on these hormone blocking uh, drugs mm-hmm. and he's not trans he's just you know cis or whatever but he was commenting about how different he was feeling and emotional and empathetic and, you know, all the stereotypical female type traits. I thought that was so fascinating. Did you did you both notice changes in how you thought and felt about certain things as you started changing uh, it was the so long ago yeah i was I gonna mean, say chloe I was, was a 15, kid so hopefully you're different than i you hope were then. i grew out <laughs> of those high emotional times but i'm i don't produce anything naturally at this point so my estrogen and testosterone are are both supplement supplemented um do they give you progesterone too or is it just estrogen no, no. Oh, interesting. Okay. See, and I have the opposite problem. My body would still is still actively making estrogen, and I take testosterone. But if I quit taking testosterone shots, my body would start right back up. Mm-hmm. And in fact, my body would also convert excess testosterone right. back into estrogen. So, are you on aromatase inhibitors and all that stuff, or no, just? No, okay. I just I just keep my love like keep an eye on my levels. But okay. I've noticed, for example, if I have to mess up my shot schedule because I'm traveling or something. And so I double up a little bit and I get a little extra, you know, a mm-hmm. little extra or something. I notice that it it immediately makes me feel different. Like how? Um, goodness. If I'm too low or too high, both the same things happen. I get tired. I get cranky. Mm. I get irritable. I get hungry. I start craving chocolate. That's just me every night. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the, that's, it's probably the hormones, I swear. Cause if I, if I have too much testosterone, I'll start getting cramps. Like I'm PMSing. Interesting. Yeah. I my, wonder if too much of it is getting converted to estrogen. Maybe that might yeah, be why. It okay. goes, it goes back the other way. So okay. especially for people who are thinking about trans people from a competitive standpoint, especially trans men, if they happen to still have their original plumbing in terms of their inter- internal reproductive mm-hmm. organs, there's no such thing as being able to gain too high of a testosterone advantage over cis men because your body automatically converts the extra back into estrogen. There's like no mm-hmm. way to, to max out, roid out. Your body fixes that. Well, now, so you now, can't overdo you're it. Pro- you're actually taking less testosterone than some female uh, bodybuilding competitors will take. I know female bodybuilders yeah. will take higher doses than that um, just to compete in their, you know, their chosen sport. So, you know, do do they do? Would you get tested then for other uh, other substances? For example, you're saying if you take too much testosterone, it gets converted to estrogen. Let's say you were to take a anti-aromatase drug like Arimidex, which prevents that, or, or uh, an estrogen blocking type, uh, you know, drug or whatever that athletes will sometimes take. Do, do are those banned for you as well as other people? Like, what what's what's considered legal in the IOC for for you? Is it just the hormones that you take because of your, you know, the, the like the testosterone and the estrogen or? So my understanding is is that if you are taking whatever it is that you're taking as part of your hormone replacement regimen, because that's different for for everybody depending on what the person's individual medical needs are, that 
that whatever that medical program is, that's considered part of your your treatment and okay. that's allowed. The problem is it, if you deviate from that. So that's why the new IOC rules require all this rigorous testing is that it's individualized. So it's like for this person, their levels are at this level mm-hmm. and they're taking this thing and whatever. So then you test them again and see if they're deviating from their whatever their levels are. Because I guess the thing that the IOC is realizing as medical professionals everywhere are realizing as more and more trans people come out, live authentically, go through medical care, is that the ideas about what happens when you when you go through treatment, they're all changing. And you're realizing that everybody is individual, everybody's different, every trans person's transition looks different. Um, what people do or don't do, how much they take or don't take. It's all different. Mm, yeah. Athlete to athlete. Now, I, I do want to be very clear on this this point. Um, and all of us, I can speak for all of us because we've all talked about this many times. I think individuals should be able to do whatever they want to themselves. I never, I, we're, we're totally in favor of all that. And private organizations have the right to decide how they want to, mm-hmm. you know, s- sanction their sport or who they're going to allow in. The, the conversation really was about, you know, is there an advantage? Um, and, you know, I, I believe firmly, and I don't think there's an, there's, there, there, I don't think there's a huge advantage from a, you know, male who transitions to a female and, uh, and competes, although there may be there, um, excuse me, the other way around, a female com- who, uh, who uh, transitions to male and competes. But I do think male to female uh, transition may have some huge advantages. Um, and this is just comes from my, my own background uh, in in sports and training, and both of you are saying no. There is no no inherent advantage in that. Is that correct? In this is such a big conversation. Yeah, I, think- I mean, I think because you can put that for anything, though. You can put that to genetics. You can put that to your nationality. You know what I mean? Like my friend Kiana is five foot eleven way bigger than me mm-hmm. just naturally stronger than me i can't lift what she lifts i can't move as fast as she moves where's the advantage at that point we're just two different people you know what i mean like he's bigger than you right right like, thank you for pointing that out yeah. too yeah. well yeah. and especially in a sport like especially in a sport like crossfit so i get the arg uh, no i don't get the argument but i understand how people who don't know better could make that kind of an argument for a sport where everybody who competes at an elite level has more or less the same body composition the same size mm. the same physical talents the same physical attributes like people who do olympic track racing for example they're all the same size more mm-hmm. or less they're mm-hmm. all the same body type crossfit is not like that at all everybody who does like crossfit athletes are just as varied within the men's and women's divisions as they are compared to each other. There are female CrossFit athletes who are taller and probably way more than some of the male athletes. Mm -hmm. There's no... There's no like homogenous example of what a CrossFit athlete looks like. And so especially in the CrossFit context for people to say, oh, trans women have an inherent advantage is bullshit. Chloe's like, what, five, 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 four, let's five foot four and what? 120 pounds soaking wet, probably. I wish. <laughs> 130, maybe. 138, okay. maybe. She's five, four and 138 pounds soaking wet. She doesn't have a physical advantage over any uh, over any cisgender female, except the fact that she's been training for the last like yeah, very long time. X amount of time and, and is clearly like a very strong and an accomplished athlete. But that's not because she was born assigned the male gender at birth. It's because 
she's dedicated time to being who she is. Right. I, I think I think if we look if we when we look at on an individual basis, it can all break down. Mm-hmm. For example, if I look at the top top level of any sport in in the women's category, like if I look at the top MMA fighters, and I take Ronda Rousey, and I'm like, okay, she's one of the top female fighters. She'll beat the crap out of 95% of the men in the world mm-hmm. um, it, it, when we look at it that way. But when we compare her to a man who also competes at the highest level, same body weight, obviously there's an advantage. And I think that's why there's a that's why we originally created or sports had a male. Actually, most sports were always men only. And then they had a, a female division and men and women typically don't compete against each other in most uh, you know physical sports. And I, I think that's why as far as Athletes looking the same in the older sports like track and field and, you know, all the sports you see in the Olympics. That's the the democratization of sports. Originally, they all look different. Originally, when you if you look at the Olympic competitions 80 years ago, you did have a lot of difference in size and stuff. But as competition got stiffer and stiffer, the ideal body type started to emerge for each sport like a swimmer. Typically has really short legs, long torso, long arms. A sprinter typically longer legs, and so on. CrossFit, I don't think has been around long enough to see that, but you're starting to see it because if I look at the competitors of CrossFit when it first started, and I look at them now, they don't look. There's a big yeah, difference. Didn't we now. start to see a big discrepancy once you got up into like the 200 pound range? Like it, we kind of were looking at like you know 150, you know 160, 170, and then the, there was like a big yeah. Big sort of uh, yeah. When you talk about like at Chloe's size, you're not talk- there isn't a big big difference. Yeah, between, but it's like sort of a hockey stick, uh, you know, like graph to that. After I, I at look, a certain point. Yeah, when I when I look at like um, uh, when I look at the top level and I compare you know apples to apples, for example, if I compare a female uh, cisgender athlete, 148 pound powerlifter, and I look at her top squat, and then I look at a male cisgender male, same body weight his top squat, the male is typically anywhere between 60 to 80 pounds or maybe 100 pounds stronger. Wait. As they get heavier, that discrepancy starts to get bigger. Like the heavier they get, the bigger the difference. Well, sure, them. but that's a cisgender man. That's yeah. not that's not a trans woman who's been on hormones for two years. Right, right. And so where, my, where I start to get with that is the, the argument, and I've read a lot about this, and this is why I'm like super open to, to having my, my mind changed on this. Mm-hmm. But when I read about this, um, you know, if 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 a, if a man goes through transition and goes on the hormones, he will lose strength. He does lose some body, uh, some bone mass because his testosterone levels are lower. He's taking estrogen, all these other things. But there are other things that, especially once you go through puberty, that stay more permanent, like lung capacity, heart size, especially the left ventricle, muscle hyperplasia, which is so as muscles grow, they hypertrophy. But then there's something called hyperplasia where muscle fibers actually split and become new muscle fibers. And this happens, we think, through puberty. So where some of this muscle becomes more, more permanent. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. I had a, uh, there was a friend of mine who used to come into my gym all the time to visit. And he was an uh, 85-year-old man, didn't work out anymore. But he had these just really muscular forearms. And the guy was an Olympic lifter for, for decades. He stopped working out, didn't do it anymore. But you could see the remnants of the hyperplasia that had happened through the decades of training. And we so see, that's we always see my examples question. of this with bodybuilders, right? You see bodybuilders that were competitive bodybuilders for 10, 20 years of their life. And even if they don't touch weights for the next 40 years, they still have this dense muscle mm-hmm. that they've yeah. built. But the, the thing that you're talking about is still very individualized because somebody like Chloe, who transitioned when she was a teenager, yeah, see even that? pre, pre, I mean, you were, you were a small 
teenager. You were not a big teenager. Mm. So you stopped your physical right. puberty when you were 15 as a small 15-year-old. There's right. no advantage there. My problem with the whole drawing lines about competitors, right, should be allowed or mm. shouldn't be allowed, is that trans people are not all the same. Right. To make that assumption is that you could put all trans people, even medically, in the same category, and you can't, because not all of us start transition at the same time. Not all of us take the same hormones. Not all of us take the same kind of hormones for the same amount of time. There's, I mean, like, there's, there's so, there's so much different factors. Yeah. Like, I didn't even start being athletic until my late twenties. Way after so, you transition, right? But I mean, so that kind of throws the theory out the window, right? Mm. What if someone decides to become an athlete later in life, they haven't they haven't built the muscles that you're talking about. What do you, you think the most mean? ideal way to standardize, you know, Yeah, do you guys have Because so. right now, what is it? It's Is it one or two years, do they say, that you... Two, I believe now two... Now it's not surgery, but It's not surgery, but hormones. it's two years on hormones, yeah. Do, do you guys think, do you guys think that that's a, a good standard or do you think it should go back further? I think I think the only truthfully, I think when people are worried that a two year period is not going to make a big enough difference is this mythical vision of a person who decides to transition from male to female after they're a buff, very capable, super solid athlete. And then they magically decide to transition and then two years later become like a fierce competitor in the women's category. Just doesn't happen like that. Mm. Well, that like that's just know? not real. Isn't that what we saw with the I MMA fighter? Yeah, isn't that, that what we saw with the yeah. MMA fighter? Yeah. No, she, she, I mean, I'm not saying that that never happens, mm -hmm. but I'm saying to make, policies that affect all possible transgender athletes everywhere based on a very specific example mm -hmm. of a potential scenario where there could be some kind of an advantage is ludicrous. Mm -hmm. To me, when I hear cis men, it's always cis men that bring this up, by the way, and mm -hmm. it's always cis men freaking out about trans women who want to compete. When I hear these thoughts, all I can think about in my head is that men have this idea that there is some inherent advantage to being male physically Just, that's your assumption mm -hmm. i don't think that that's actually I true think that, we, we I think and i don't but i don't think it's because you were born male i don't think it's because you're born male i think that it's because there are things that are in your body but it's not it's I not hear what you're saying. okay i hear what the you're idea saying. that men are somehow just naturally physically superior is is not true well i think this across the, the board i think oh, i this, disagree i disagree I, with that yeah i think this i, I, I think I, if I, you're male if you're uh, if you if look if you're if you're biological male the things that come along with it include the hormones include the changes yeah but that's not immutable those right. things don't remain advantages just because you were born with them. no but if you go through puberty yeah, well, some of that stuff stays you know? Some of it does. Yeah. But my point is, is that we haven't been treating, observing or engaging with trans people who've been going through medical transition for long enough to make any real conclusions about what medical transition does or does not do to one's body. That's, that's, a, fair that's, that's a fair like, statement. Truthfully, I, I struggle to find trans men that are 10 years older than me who can talk to me about what's going to happen to me 10 years from now sure, on yeah. hormone therapy. Like it just hasn't been around it's enough. So we're yeah. asking, yeah, we're asking for, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? Like, fuck just let trans people compete and we'll find out what yeah. happens well i mean because that's the only way we're ever gonna know yeah. right is if we just well, let yeah, people yeah. do it well then we why not let, what happens. why not it's just like yeah it's a matter of standardizing the pro like how do we how do we handle this well why not well, let them compete in their biological sex 
if it's not about if no you if you're not going to change your sex in order to win and it's really not about that then why not just let them compete at their biological sex well, because that's invalidating a person's gender identity. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, if you were looking at me and telling me I have to compete as a woman, that's invalidating to my gender identity. I'm not right. saying that you should. I'm just asking why. I'm curious to why you would think that. Yeah. You know? Well, because or why not make another category? Another category, so I could compete against only other trans people. I mean, my my body my my body is a human body. I'm not a trans body. I'm a human body. Right. So like, I shouldn't have to be in a category of other people mm-hmm. that have bodies just like mine in order to to do something. Well, I mean, person. when you think like that, I think then we should just open it all sports up to it's every it's human male hum, or female. Well, why not? Right, right. I mean, that's Humans but a lot of a lot of gyms, a lot of yeah, gyms are not? doing that. Why not? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. A lot I of mean, gyms. A lot of gyms I do that. So that would solve what we what we're thinking about right now is just why separate anybody compete? Well, if you're away. If you're 150, you're 150. Uh, we, and, yeah. And, that's one of the and things not that we're team working sports, on. we're well, competing by body weight. But then that conflicts right? with something like Title IX, you know, and there are things that have made, you know, initiatives towards like getting, you know, people scholarships and things like that. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, because, yeah, this is, and that's where, you know, if you're a female athlete in high school and you can get a scholarship, um, you know, there's been, and by the way, it's not just cisgender men. I have, I recently, could care less. I feel more for the women. I, that's recent, how I feel. Recently, I, I there's been, less. they've been speaking yeah. out more. I've, I've, I've seen more women speak out and say it's not fair recently there was a uh, i forgot what competition it was um i think it was in cycling um and uh you know transgender wins the competition and the and there were women who were saying hey this isn't fair i've been working for this for so long i lost this competition i think that this person has an unfair advantage i do also want to say this though these are organizations that it's fully within their right to change to make their standards how they want mm-hmm. to allow people to compete. So I don't think there should be any laws or anything ridiculous like that. And I do think the market will determine, like you said, what this is going to look like eventually because a lot of these sports, you know, a lot of these sports need viewership, need people participating. And we'll see, you know, we'll see what that kind of looks like. Um, And I, I do like that you said, I'm a human. I, 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 at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a a huge advocate of the individual. And Mm -hmm. I think when we look generally, because right now we're talking about generally men, generally women, and what that means, it all breaks down when you look at the individual. And and at the individual level, that's what's important. And I'm 100% for that. Um, But sports for a long time have done this. And by the way, this isn't a new... This isn't a new dance that sports have tried to do. This is ever since anabolic steroids entered into the fray. This has been a com- a conversation. How do we, mm-hmm. l- you know, level the playing field? How do we test for this. Which is yeah. which? You know, Chloe, you made the, the argument about genetics. Like, what if someone's just taller or stronger? You're you're absolutely right. That plays a major major role. But it also doesn't answer this the question of okay, you know, these sports are trying to. Because what, what do you think would happen if we let everybody compete together in every sport? I, I can 100% predict what would happen. Men would dominate most of these physical sports. And it's not – we're just bigger and stronger and it's just, you know, our, our hormones and, the, and, and our genetics. I think we would dominate most of these sports. And when you look at the records, I, if I compare women, cisgender women, untested strength sports. So these are sports like powerlifting where they don't test them for steroids. So many of them probably take them. Mm -hmm. And I compare them to men of the same weight class, drug tested, which doesn't guarantee that they're not on steroids, but it does show that they're probably on less or more careful (laughs) because they're getting tested. The men still will outperform uh, the women who may be on anabolics. And so I I feel that there's, and you're right, on an individual level, 
God, it's different from person to person. Like, like when we use Chloe as an example, I mean, you, you transitioned so long ago, I don't think that there would be an inherent advantage. I just don't. But if you have someone who was, you know, 25, 26 transitions, now they compete at 28 or 29, there might be, there might be an advantage, you know, there might be an inherent advantage into that, you know? What it, <laughs> I mean, I'm putting my hands up because like, so what? And first, I mean, cis women who get mad because they feel like they might potentially have opportunities taken away under Title IX that they might lose to trans women. Like trans women are not your enemy. Trans women are your sisters. Don't forget that Title well, IX, Title IX exists because the government had to mandate people treat women like equal individuals to men. Sure. Title IX only exists because nobody was letting women play equally and 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 on the same level and for the same rewards without a law. Right. So women who are upset because they're losing Title IX advantages, that's a bit of a misdirected anger because like Title IX only exists because we have to mandate equality. Well I think I think they're upset because in order to get that well, yeah, you have to be a top performing athlete. And it's like if I if I was top performing and now I'm not but a trans woman is a woman and a cis woman is a woman. So a trans woman who's a college athlete who wants to compete in her sport and get a scholarship and do great at whatever she does, she deserves that opportunity. Just because she's trans doesn't make her any less deserving of that opportunity. If she's good at what she does, she's good at what she does. Like a trans woman is not a second class citizen to a cis woman. And it's not like cis women get the scholarships first. And if there's any left over, we give them to trans women. Do you, do you, do either of you have any examples of uh, you know, uh, women who've transitioned to men who are now dominating in their sport or winning. Because I keep reading the opposite. I keep reading about, uh, you know, Chris, men who transition to Chris women. Mosier. Chris uh, Mosier. So I don't a, know who that is. Explain. He's a he's a uh, Olympic triathlete who is a trans man who does really well in competition against cis men. Okay, mm. excellent. So I, I had no idea that there was because well, the ones I keep reading are you know, uh, men who transitioned to women who then there was a Olympic weight, there was a weightlifter from New Zealand. There was a cyclist. There was a few other examples, but I don't hear. Do you, there's also, there's also also keep in mind. Some people are forced to be out. I transitioned at 15. So from the time of 15 to 2013, Mm -hmm. I lived my normal life as a woman. I was not publicly out to people. Mm. People knew because I grew up here or people knew because they were friends of friends, but I wasn't publicly out about anything. I had to out myself to fight for a right that I thought I should have. Mm -hmm. So we are only talking about select individuals that are- That we know about. That we know about. Mm -hmm. There are hundreds and thousands of trans people all around us. I was going to ask you the numbers. Do you guys know the numbers? There's estimated 1.4 million trans adults in the U.S. So because also, I mean, my era, 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. gay men were still being hung up, strung behind cars. Sure. Mm -hmm. And drugged through fields, right? They still are. But my point is, I felt I was forced to not talk about it. That I was less than human. Mm -hmm. That I had, if I wanted to survive, I just had to fit in. So I wasn't trying to be better than anyone. I wasn't trying to be different. I was just doing my life. Found a sport I enjoyed. I did okay at it. It was just the sequence of events. Not everyone wants to be out and fighting a fight. Had you not mm. told them, would they have ever found out? Probably fucking not. Okay. And I'm not asking. Uh, so do you kind of regret that now? Like, no, not oh, at okay. all. Not at all. 
because it started this wonderful movement. Mm-hmm. But this conversation probably wouldn't happen. That's how right, we found it. I was just. Did you get a lot of like hate? I said? I was just dotting my eyes and crossing my t's. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that if I was able to move forward with a team, that my team would be safe because I provided them with all the correct documentation or whatever the hell they might so need. Were- as as a side mm-hmm. note, by the way, it's really Chloe's position that she was in, having to think about like, do I say something and out myself, or do I not say something? Undeniably, would have been more successful had she not said something in the short term, right? But outed herself in order to make sure that she crossed her T's and dotted her I's because the one thing that always happens when trans people are not out, if people find out later, it's always about accusing you of Mm. hiding something. Mm -hmm. Sure, it always looks It would have been like a witch hunt. Well, that speaks to your character. People accuse you of like trying to trick people, trying to lie to people, trying to hide people. But like trans people, whether they're out or not, nobody is lying, nobody's hiding, nobody's tricking people, right? You can be out or not. I was pretty predominant in this CrossFit community, Mm -hmm. the Bay Area CrossFit community at the time. Tons of competitions, the friends all around, the whole gambit. So I knew a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So when all of that broke, I didn't even know the story was breaking, quote unquote. I, I was working out and I went and picked up my phone, and it was just a flood of text oh, messages. Really? Yeah, I had no idea. Did you get a lot of hate? Yeah. Mm. Um, mainly men. Um, very little from women. Uh, it was more people in the community that were surprised I never said anything, or let them know than hate. That was locally. When you were competing, Does that makes sense. Yeah, when you were competing, how well did you do in the sport? Mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Mediocre to well. Mm. It just depended. You know what, what I mean? You kind of became the one of the. Uh, I mean, if I if I Google, you know, trans athletes, you know, or you you pop up. Yeah. You pop up now. Did you? You're saying you didn't anticipate to become mm. that spokesperson. No. Was that scary? Yeah. How does that feel? Yeah. No, you embrace it now. Um, it was terrifying at first. But there was the added component of the lawsuit. So I felt like I could never say anything. Mm. I actually haven't, until the last couple months, I still felt like I couldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't speak without being under scrutiny. So I just kind of kept all of my emotions to myself during that time. I didn't really know who to trust or, I mean, anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was a freaking law. You can't be prepared for what a lawsuit like that is going to do. Oh, I, I mean. I had no idea. It went, It went. I mean, international. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide, what was, did you, what made you decide to do the lawsuit? Were you, were you at odds with it at first and thinking, okay, should I do this or not? Or were you like, no, I'm going to sue them because this is not right? So there was a certain person at HQ that's no longer there that was speaking to me in a way that I felt Disrespect. like I was just being belittled. I really? felt like I was being treated like the worst piece of shit on the ground. And I felt like it had been done before. Whether it had been done before or not, I felt like this had been done, like the tactics had been done before. And it's not like I just decided to sue one, like from one moment to the next. It was a process. It was months. It wasn't something that I just took 
very lightly at all. Is, mm-hmm. is that because you were trying multiple times and getting yes. denied a certain way? And yes. is it always this person who's denying you? Is it was it or is it? It went mul- from one person to the next, and then it's kind of just sat with one person. What What are some of the things they're saying to you? Mm-hmm. It's all on the internet. <laughs> well, I want to hear from <laughs> you. Yeah, you don't know. You're the you're the person I care about. You're right. the one I want to know. First like hand experience. What, what? Uh, basically, it was a lot of like, did we miss? certain things in biology it was oh wow it was the oh wow so it wasn't just no it's like also insulting it was the most patronizing piece of shit letter that any attorney like that a licensed attorney would send that letter is crazy Ben it's got it though it's crazy no it was basically I got you here it was basically like it was basically like did we miss something in biology where it says if you were born with an X and a Y chromosome that you could ever be anything but a biological male go fuck yourself oh they went there that was basically that was basically Basically, the attitude was, you are what you are. You are what we say you are, no matter what you say you are, the end. So because could, science. could Now, had they handled it differently, let's say they came, they said to you, like, okay, well, here's the deal. We think there may be an advantage. We appreciate you doing the sport, whatever, whatever. Had they handled it differently, do you think you would have reacted differently? Who freaking knows? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Who knows? Well, because it, I can, it, I feel it you. It could have been two more years of back and forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I feel you. I mean, if someone comes at me like that, I'm like, well, yeah, fuck you. Right. Not only saying no, but you're abrasive. also, yeah, you're also being an asshole. So, which, yeah, I just. No, uh, you didn't win, though, did you? Eh, no, I had to sign a piece of paper to to not do it anymore, or whatever. Mm. I it literally took a mental toll on me that I never expected. Mm. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't. It, I, I literally can't imagine like, what that would be like. It was this like volcano of emotions for me, like coming out publicly, oh, dealing with all of that, and then at the same time feeling like I couldn't say a damn word. So then I was trying to advocate, but then I couldn't do anything to advocate. If that makes any sense at all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now you said Greg Glassman actually apologized uh, to yeah, you publicly. How, how did that said, go? Well. So I didn't know that the 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 co-workings of Outwad and um, CrossFit. I didn't know any of that conversation was going on. Mm-hmm. Will decided to keep it from me, which was probably best because he knew what had been going on for me the last few years, like emotionally. Mm. Um, so uh, within an hour before Greg announcing at the games that transgendered athletes would be able to compete, mm-hmm. Will let me know. So then I was watching the the live feed of it. Oh, wow. I mean, I probably cried a little bit because it was just... Sure, oh, I It bet. was like this giant relief. I definitely relief. did. <laughs> it was like this just, just giant relief and weight off of my shoulders. And I didn't even care what the regulations are. Just that there's damn guidelines now mm-hmm. and regulations that allows people to have more of an uh, opportunity to compete. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting you're over here. You're like the quiet. You're like I'm, the quiet one. I'm the like, silent one. Yeah. He's the yeah. fan favorite, though. Believe it or not, yeah. this guy's always getting. It's because I all barely the... talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's uh, that's that's very fascinating to me. So you must have felt uh, redeemed. Yeah, it was pretty damn cool. Yeah. If I had carried the torch as far as I could, and I was just hoping someone else would pick it up. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was like one of my best friends. Mm. I touch. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, to be just frank, when I meet people like you both, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're good people. I haven't, met, I haven't known you very long, but I, I like you both. I like that we're having this conversation. I wish more people could just talk 
objectively and have conversation and hear each other. And even if you don't change my mind on the competitive mm-hmm. advantage thing, uh, that's okay because we're talking about it. what I don't like is the yelling and the fighting and yeah. the it's it's constant. the divisiveness. I, I can't yeah. stand it. It's I just kind of like in my normal life try to preach acceptance of other people no matter what Mm -hmm. no matter what their beliefs are uh like my father is very conservative and voted for trump like i'm not going to hate my father because he has different beliefs than me like that's our rights as human beings to believe in what we want to believe in Mm -hmm. and you're right i think people should just be able to sit down and talk i don't understand why everything has to be a yelling match and a fight like no one's ever going to be definitely right and definitely wrong yeah. it's just not I the think, world we live I would, in i would love to hear you kind of share a little bit about what that's got to be like having a father that's conservative you <laughs> you made the transition at a yeah. young age like that like i mean how has that been and how have you navigated through that so i think for a lot of people and this is what in my opinion people forget people can have different political views and personal views mm-hmm. my dad was raised to do one thing, to vote one way, that's what he's always done. He's never veered from it. It doesn't matter what the issues are. He's never veered from it. But with his family, he is the most liberal person in the world. My dad said he knew that I was female from the time I was born. My mom and dad didn't talk about it until I was five. My parents supported the whole transition. They got me into a new school. My dad paid for my surgeries. Like, 100% support oh, so family. So you've had support the whole way through from right. family. That's awesome. Just politically different views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's, that's, what about you, Bennett? Uh, so I actually don't have a relationship with my father anymore, um, largely because of my transition. Really? Uh, he and I never had a great relationship to begin with. Um, but when I came out to him as trans, that was like the last, that, that was the last bit of me that he could no longer understand. Mm. That was like, you know, sometimes you have that kind of a relationship with a parent where you just never are on the same wavelength. There are some, some family members and some parents you're like that with and other, other folks you're not. My dad and I have never been on the same page, but my telling him that I was trans was like the last, it was the last thing that he it, he just can't wrap his mind around it. So mm-hmm. he still he still calls me uh, by my dead name, which mm-hmm. is um, you know a term we use for your your name you were given when you were born. And that's ex- and that's, I didn't know that. And that's extremely uh, that's something that's very I can imagine how offensive <laughs> that's that was. Ex- that's extremely <laughs> that. offensive. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine what that would. It, I mean, he basically when I came out to him as trans because we had no we didn't have much of a relationship at that point. It was very, it felt very low risk to me to come out to him because it was like, well, whatever. Yeah. yeah, What you do with this information is what you do with it because I don't have a lot in, I mean, it still hurts obviously because he's my father, but given where we were, I basically told him I was trans, um, told him, you know, please call me Bennett. And at the end he said, you know, I think I'm still going to call you blank. And he referred to me by my dead name. And I said, well, let me tell you what, you can call me Bennett or you can not call me at all. Mm -hmm. And I haven't spoken to him since. Mm-hmm. And that was That's tough. probably yeah. two years ago. He texted me on my birthday a really long text message that had a lot to do with Jesus. And then at the end, he still called me by my dead name. So I I am pretty sure that he's never going to get it and we're never going to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine with me my mom and her whole side of the family are super supportive okay. i have a loving partner and you know i have a great relationship with his family um my dad is just like 
he he missed the boat mm. and due to a lot of his own his own issues um that don't have anything to do with me is your partner cisgender male yes he is okay so, uh, right to it. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a cis guy. Um, so it looks like I look to most people like I'm in a gay relationship, which is really funny because, you know, only he and I and people around us know, you know, know that I'm trans. Um, nobody, I don't get clocked on the street, but mm-hmm. it's it's funny. I actually pre-transition. I pretty much exclusively dated women. And oh, this is fascinating. Wow, this so, is yeah, really fascinating. I I used to I used to date mostly women, and when when. I came out to my mom, my mom, bless her heart. Like first, you know, I came out as a lesbian, as a teenager, then I came out as a, <laughs> trans, a trans man, as an adult. The, and then a year I ago, I cried with women. It just wow. it was no, a year uh, ago. I, I sat <laughs> my mom, this challenge. Yeah. I sat my mom down. I was like, mom. So here's, here's one more piece of good news. Uh, I'm dating a man. <laughs> and I told her, I, I, I sort of had this whole speech planned out. So I was like, I'm dating a man. And I explained to her how I arrived at that position. And, and, and I was like, okay, so what do you think? And she said, honestly, I'm just glad you're not going to date crazy lesbians anymore. (laughs) And I said, well, I guess that makes two of us. She's like, because you've dated a handful of really good crazy ones. I was like, yes, mom, thank you. (laughs) So she rolls with the punches. But yeah, he um, he's a dude. That's interesting. Did he um, always date men before or women? Or? Yeah. He well he so he he identifies as uh what does he say? He's pansexual. He's dated men and women. So right, he, right. Uh, to him to him humans are humans and sure. that's part of why we get along really well because I view myself as a human more than a man mm-hmm. or a woman, so it kind of works. Now what's the difference between pansexual and bisexual? Oh, is yeah. it is Explain it Explain that. Yeah. Uh, well, so I don't use. There's the term. a lot of terms now. Yeah, I know we gotta get through these. Yeah. So, Please educate us today. I used. To, I don't. I just say we're gonna have a glossary underneath this because yeah. you lost me yeah, on a couple yeah. things already. Let's I see. used to use the word queer, um, mm-hmm. the way that he uses pansexual, which to him, to him, and to people who say pan, my understanding is that it means that you could be attracted to any gender. So sure. men, women. It's also inclusive of trans people. Oh, I see. So like bisexual yeah. is it's very specifically like cisgender men, and men women. Cisgender, oh. yeah, it can be read that way, okay. and it also. It, it feels kind of old fashioned in that mm-hmm. bisexual is is predicated on there being a bi- gender binary. First of all, I see. It's also it gives off this idea that there's like an e- an equal amount of like equal opportunity male femaleness okay. and and a lot of folks that's not really accurate. But it's you more like one moment- or the other. yeah, it's more like momentary sort of. And so queer or pan mm. seems to be what people say. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear now that. Sex, how you identify sexually or who you're attracted to is it's a, on a spectrum. It's on a spectrum. Yes. I mean, come on. The, the most, the, the straightest dudes in the world go to prison, and then they do a lot of gay stuff. <laughs> okay, listen. They <laughs> don't even have to go to prison. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It's yeah. all on a spectrum. Prison doesn't need to be. Involved. I'm just saying. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, Men yeah. like shit up their butt. Like, <laughs> let's just cut to the chase. Right let's, now. Yeah, but that doesn't. That, 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 we've we we been calling Sal out on this for a oh long my time. God. Too, so. yeah. But that, that doesn't mean that 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 they're. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. exactly. Well, so, exactly. so why does any of it matter? It, at this point why does any of you know it what you know what it is I think what it is is since the since technology's gotten where it is and things spread and people change people movements change so fast now you know in 2008 all uh all presidential uh, all presidential candidates and pretty much everybody in Congress campaigned against the legalization of of, of gay marriage, yeah. including mm-hmm. President including Obama, Obama. Obama. Yeah. and Clinton. Yep. That's how unpopular it was just 
10 years ago, hmm. within a short period of time, if you're a politician today and you say you're against gay marriage, you're probably not going to get elected. Or if you might in local, you know, elections, but it ain't going to happen on a national stage. Even Republic, even national ticket Republicans don't uh, don't tend to campaign on gay yeah. stuff anymore. Do it, it, it just happens so fast. Yeah. And yeah. my point with that, it's happened so, so fast. And in uh, the, I can't stand it. We, well, we call it sports for nerds over <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, sports but, for nerds. Well, no, I, you know, in the past, uh, in the past, like the women's movement, you know, civil rights took decades. Now it's like five-year periods. And I think a lot of the pushback is because people are like, whoa, it's happening so fast. You know, like one minute, you know, transgender individuals were kind of hidden. And now the next minute they're competing with, uh, you know, and we're changing bathrooms. And I think that's where there's well, a lot you of- blew, You blew me away with 1.5 million, you're saying? 1.4 million a, is the estimate. That's a is big estimate. fucking chunk of it's people. A, it's a big that's number. A that's just adults too. That's just mm. estimated adults in America. Mm -hmm. So the thing, I think the thing that is important to keep in mind is anytime you get caught up in the like, this is so much so fast sure. and the newness of it, just remember- trans people have existed as long as humans have existed. Yeah. As long as humans have been putting themselves into two categories, there have been people who have said, I don't fit into either one of those categories. Mm -hmm. In every human recorded society, there have been out gender outliers. We've been around for forever. The only difference is, is that nowadays, we don't have to be quiet about it. We can say, this is who we are. We're just like normal people and we can live our lives. But trans people have always been here and for a long time just had to quietly live their mm. lives as a person they weren't. Mm -hmm. Just because they never transitioned doesn't mean they weren't trans. Mm -hmm. It just means they never got that opportunity to live their real life. Right. We've been here for forever. And so anytime it feels like it's all new and exciting, just remember this has always been here. You're just now seeing it yeah. for the first time. It's getting Isn't India like a good example of this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are so many cultures in the Eastern hemisphere where they embrace a non-binary idea of gender just from the get-go. Mm. Um, there are a lot of Asian, Asian cultures, particularly like in Thailand, they have a huge culture around um, embracing the idea that the gender, the gender mm -hmm. spectrum is expansive. There are people there that present in a very non-binary kind of way on the daily and it's just okay that's just how they live it's 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 not new at all and it's certainly nothing to be scared about like if anything we are more scared about what happens when people find out we are here than anybody should ever be scared of us being anywhere mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't i don't you know i i think it's i think it's a sad thing to be afraid to be what look if you're not hurting anybody i think it's sad to be afraid to do whatever as long as you're not hurting anybody that's my that's always been my belief if i don't care what you do or who you are if you don't hurt anybody i think it's crazy to be afraid uh you know for being whoever you want to be i think that's always been uh, insane um but today it is it's definitely much more uh, out there um, um except we're going backwards yeah do you think we're going backwards uh. It feels like it. Yeah. Really? What's, what's, explain that. Explain what feels that. backward? What feels like it's going backwards? I know I just said I don't get into politics, but <laughs> here we go. This typical climate that we have going on right now is very, very cloudy. Yeah. You know what I think it is? I think it's the the most extreme people are the ones that we hear. Yeah. I think there's a lot more people that are. They're getting the most I like attention. to think of it as the last dying gasp of like white male supremacy, sort of giving its last like. <gasps> mm this is the last little bit that we get to hang on to all the things that we've always gotten to hang on to. And this, all this noise and this anger mm -hmm. and all of this crap that's going on right now is 
people feeling scared about the the impending end of whatever control they feel like they've always had. So I'm going to give you because I'm I mean I'm very much on the side of people need to be uh, respected, people deserve digni- dignity, and people should be judged on their actions and character. That's a hundred percent the kind of person I am. But I do want to give you a little bit of advice when you say white male when you say that kind of stuff what it does is it moves the conversation it will from, shut us out of the conversation well it moves the conversation from the individual which it should be the individual look i've i've you know i'm my political views are very libertarian which are i believe in the individual so you know respect the per, the the one individual that's the smallest of all minorities all minorities break down to one person um and i think that's where the conversation needs to go but when we start to talk about groups of people, I think it, it moves the conversation where you don't want it. Like you don't want the conversation to be, you know, generalized. Yeah. You don't want that. Oh, and when when you, I'm talking about the white male freak out, I mean the people who run the government. Okay. I mean, I mean literally the well, then, white guys that, yeah, are, even that's that are in charge. Again, that's an overgeneralization. Yeah, say though. the people who run it, the people right. in power, because. But wh- don't you, don't you think that a lot of their pushback to what's happening is rooted in their whiteness and their maleness. No. I think, th- I think is, it's, can you, can you I think make it's, that yeah. call when you're a yeah, white it's, man? It's, there's the, there that it's not the, rooted it's, in I white I think maleness. it's just the power thing. I yeah, but too. power, power in this country is rooted in white men. It's rooted in power. It's, it's rooted in green and money. That's right. I'll tell you something right now. Some of the most, uh, some of the people that, the people who want racism and discrimination and bigotry to exist are the ones that profit from it and sometimes that's black men sometimes that's women sometimes that's cisgender it could be transgender it could be anybody when they profit from placing people in categories and generalizing um that's who we need to be careful for and and what we got to do look i'll tell you what here was my back when when gay marriage was a big argument and debate i actually marched i i marched in support of it i have a lot of friends who are gay and I, i thought it would be great to support them but my argument was always this why the f- hell does the government give you anybody permission to get married? I think that's insane. Why do we have a certificate yeah, that says, hey, hey, we want to get married. Oh, it's not it's not yeah. legit unless we go ask we permission. We acknowledge this. Yeah. I always thought that that was insane. I didn't think the argument should be you know, legalizing anything. I thought it was crazy that we had to make it, that we had to sanction it with the government. That That's always been my argument. And so I always caution people, if you're going to make your argument – and you're trying to make the argument of respect me as an individual, use the language that's, that is on par with that. Because when you go on the other, because I'll tell you something right now, when you say white men, and I know what you mean by it, by the way, I, I, I totally understand what you mean. But well, I, I mean, I am a white people, man. You are. <laughs> I'm a white man. So yeah. I feel like as a white man, I can speak honestly about the times when my whiteness and my maleness benefit me. Yeah. And I can I can put a finger on instances when both of those things have helped me. Sure. When they when but you've also had some wouldn't. huge you've also had some massive disadvantages. Oh, and, sure. And I mean, we, it's all it's all relative. But yes, I feel like it. I feel like it's important to keep to, to always keep your perspective intersectional. So for an example, you can do you can do an exercise that I call a that's called a privilege walk, although it doesn't have to be a walk, it can be mental, but you could do a privilege walk no matter who you are and find yourself more privileged relative to somebody else around you. So for an example, sure. Everybody, well we can't do this on a podcast, but put one finger in the air if you've ever walked into a gym and felt nervous because you didn't know which locker room to use. All oh, right, I see what you're saying. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Put your hand in the air if you've ever walked into a facility and you've never known which bathroom was safe for you to go in. 
Right. Right. If you can't answer yes to those questions, then you are more privileged than somebody. Well, so here's to the side. Of so you. here's what oh, I yeah, have. But yeah, I, I, here's why I have a terrible issue. argument. Yeah. I, I mean, because I as as a quote unquote white privileged supposed to be guy, I could do things like raise your hand if your father committed suicide. Raise your hand if you're- But that has nothing to do with your- I'm talking about as a trans person. So as a trans person, when I walk into a facility, I frequently don't know which bathroom I'm supposed to use. That is something that you as a cis person have a privilege to not have to think about. Do you still feel- That's my point. Do you still feel that, by the way? Yeah, but I could argue that- I know what you're saying with the bathrooms, but but I could say someone has more privilege because they didn't have to go through what I went through as a kid. This is what I'm saying. It's relative to everybody, though. That's why you have to keep it- Uh, I I think I hear- I I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but again, I think it goes always goes down to the individual because if I were to make a list of all the the different potential things that could give me an advantage or a disadvantage, my goodness, that li- list would be so long. And now I, that's not to say that I'm I don't, I'm not empathetic to your to right, the right. things that you have to go through. I'm extremely empathetic. I've never experienced that. I've never gone into a facility. I can only imagine what it must feel like. Although I don't think it probably happens to you anymore because you could walk into the men's bathroom, nobody would even question. Now, but I can only imagine what that must feel like to walk into a restaurant and stand in front of the bathroom and be like, okay, which one do, do I go in? Because if I go in this one, maybe someone's going to say something. If I go in this one, someone's going to say something. I, I have a tremendous amount of empathy for what that must feel like. Absolutely. Um, but again, we have to look at the individual because when it goes down and we just look at the individual, here's what's going to happen. When we make that argument and we make it strong and we stick to it, especially when you're on your side, on the side that you're on, people are going to be forced to meet you and engage with you and then pass their judgment from there. And you're both cool as fuck. And I think that's what will win. I think when we start to categorize, because then you're playing their game. You start doing that, mm-hmm. and I promise you, you're, it's going to stay there. And we don't want it to stay there. No. We got we to gotta respect people for as individuals. And like I said, like I think it's funny because people who may have an opinion of transgender people and then they meet you not knowing that you're transgender, they're probably like, oh, dude, cool guy, really cool dude, and not even knowing, even though they may have an opinion that might be counter to that. And uh, and, and I think that's how we'll change people's minds. You I know? have many people on social media, uh, probably a handful a month, men specifically, that follow me. And then I don't really talk about being transgender on social media. I feel mm-hmm. like it's just a common knowledge thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, every once in a while, I'll just say something about it, and I'll get people that say that exact thing mm. that I had this this belief, and I've been following you and watching you, and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And thank you for shattering my, my paradigm. That. Right. Right. right that that also raises another good point, though, is that people's ideas about like trans people are based on this assumption that like you know who is and who is not trans. Exactly. Like you, just because you don't think you've ever met a trans person before, like I guarantee you, you've, met a, you've you know, met a trans person before. No, they may not have introduced themselves as a trans person, but like mm-hmm. you, just because you couldn't pick somebody out, clock them for being trans, doesn't mean that you. No met different a trans than person. assuming somebody is white privileged because they have white skin, bro. Well, no, because institutions Same. institutions treat white people differently. Doesn't than, doesn't it doesn't than matter? We're talking people. about the individual. No, no, no. Its, but I'm ta- I'm talking about like I can I can look at a person and assign the privilege of whiteness to them, even if they're not actually white, because I give them that privilege in my head, right? It's the same thing with male privilege. People give me male privilege in their head because they think I'm a dude. I don't think of myself that way, but they they give me that because that's how they perceive me. 
that's different than saying you've never met a trans person because you can't tell what a trans person I, looks like. I hear, I know what you're saying, and I, I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> I think you're right in many instances. However, um, many times that breaks down. I'll give you an example. We, people talk a lot about male privilege. Well, sometimes there is male privilege, and sometimes there's male. There's the opposite of that. You know, for example, suicide. Uh, men, uh, uh, disproportionate amount of men commit suicide. When we look at, um, I went through a divorce uh, a few years ago and now dual custody and we both co-parent very well, but very, very difficult time. But when you look at the statistics of divorce, when the man actually wants dual custody and the, and the, and the mom or the wife says, or the ex-wife says, no, I want full custody, men lose Right. Men lose all the time. I love children, love kids. I grew up around kids my whole life. I'm the oldest of four. I am consciously aware of any time I meet someone new, when they bring a child, I can't just pick them up and kiss them because they're going to look at me and think, you're a creep. Oh, he's a guy. He's a creep. Now, I'm not complaining by any means. I'm not making a competition about who's more privileged or whatever. My point is, is, is I, that argument is only going to hurt what, you, what you're both trying to do. I think the argument needs to be as an individual, uh, you know, if you want to judge me, judge me on my character and, and, and who I am. And that's going to fucking win. I promise you that's going to win every time. Again, if both of you meet people and people actually meet you without preconceived, you know, notions about whatever, they'll probably like you. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll win the competition. I remember, again, back to the gay marriage thing. I only use that one because that's a, such an example of how quickly the country shifted their opinion. It was like... It was TV shows like Will and Grace that got people to, because a lot of people didn't know gay people. And then they watched Will and Grace and were like, oh, okay, that's kind of, all right, that might be all right or whatever. And people kind of open up and then they started meeting people and then they, they realized that they were cool. And before you know it, a majority of the country was like, hey, let's, let, this shouldn't be illegal. You see what I'm saying? And so that's just, that's, that's just where my, I think my stance is on, it, on, on that whole thing. This is such a bigger conversation. Yes. I mean, I've been hated on by other trans women. Really? Because of how I look. How? Because they have stated that I would never understand the plight of trans women that are you're, passable. Because you pass. Because I'm pretty. Oh. Because looks no alone. Shit, huh? the, looks alone. Is there oh, a yeah. lot of that infighting with that? It's, oh. uh, I don't I, think it's, I don't I don't think it's so much infighting. a lot of it, but it does come at me. I don't mm. think it's infighting so much as it is that like trans, trans women are... <clears throat> particularly trans women of color tend to be like just the most universally shit upon group of people mm. in, in America today. Like today, trans women of color have the highest rates of um, homelessness, joblessness and murder mm. in the U.S. Mm. A lot of it is because trans women, because they were born uh, assigned male at birth, right, and sometimes don't have access to medical intervention and sure. they're not all as blessed to be five foot four like Chloe. Mm -hmm. Like it is a lot harder for trans women to pass and non-passing trans women get so much violence heaped upon them in our country, like verbal violence and actual mm -hmm. physical violence and, and also institutional violence mm -hmm. as well, but certainly physical violence, like on the real. And for women who are in that position, you know, somebody like Chloe obviously can't help it that she is who she is and that her transition went the way it did. <laughs> same same as me. Like, I can't help it that I, I grew a beard and, right. I, and I'm not super short. Right. I can't help that. But for people who don't pass, like it's 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 really hard and it sucks that they take it out, you know, that they choose to project mm. that frustration onto Chloe. Mm. But like that's a real that is a real thing. Are, passing politics are 
are huge. What's, what are the what are the the some of the debates within the LGBT community? Are there debates and discussions and disagreements? Uh, what? Oh God, that's another rabbit <laughs> hole. You're just asking like, for all the, the rabbit. I'm, so, I'm very curious. I mean, oh, cool. no, we want you guys. Is, we want you guys' help to dispel a lot of this shit. A huge There's, debate is like, is the T even part of the LGBTQ? Really? Like that's well, a, that is a, a big sexual, debate because it's, it's not a sexual preference. preference. Mm. It's a gender identity. They're like not the same. So they think about dropping the T? No, no, no. It's just that it's just that like trans people trans people are the are the the lowest position on the LGBTQ totem pole, mm-hmm. except for maybe intersex folks who who sometimes get grouped into the LGBTQ community as well, just because like trans people, we don't know how to treat intersex folks. And so we stick them with the trans folks and the queers too. But trans now, intersex, people- is that, these are, are these people that will- Intersex are intersex people who are born with ambiguous okay. genetic- um, ambiguous genitalia. genitalia it and can go slash. either way. You oh, can have yeah. predominant male, predominant female, oh. remnants of both. It's yeah. And and traditionally, people who were born intersex, they would just go like, "Oh, well, are you more like a male or more like a mm. female?" Mm. And then they would Fix chop them at birth. birth and force them to live as one or the other. How does that Nowadays, work? people tend to just let intersex people live as an intersex and human. And they decide and they, later. Yeah, or they just live as an intersex but, person. I mean, even like, within the community. It's, I've experienced lesbians that have gone Are you talking after about trans men because yeah. they feel like trans, that they're trading, being, becoming traitors, yeah. and because male privilege. So, so lesbians <laughs> yeah. feel like they've been pushed down by men. And when you're a trans male, that you're like trading. You went to the other side. The other yeah. side. I mean, that's a whole other There's, rabbit hole. But it, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's also all within the community. Also, some of it has to do with age, because you think about like, are there people in the gay community and the lesbian community who, fifty years ago, would have been trans had they been able to be? Yes. Sure. And so, like, there's an age. There's an age sort of thing in the. I, I will speak in the like lesbian and queer female community where there are women who identify as lesbians but who are super butch who probably who possibly under other circumstances may have allowed themselves to realize that they were trans mm. but given that transitioning wasn't really a thing they just always lived as super butch women and so now it seems like there might be an influx of like queer women transitioning and 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 becoming trans mm. men and i don't think it's that more people are doing it i just think it's that that it's like mm-hmm. more people are are being themselves. Okay. It's easier. It's easier to realize who you were. There might be there, mm. might, there might be just a lot of pent up resentment that just has to do with their own with their yeah. own challenges. Oh, or there's a lot of there's a lot of that. Like just generally, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like misogyny among trans men in the trans men community. Mm-hmm. I I like call my trans siblings out on misogynistic behavior all the time. It, it, do you think it's because now they're like, okay, I'm I'm you know transition. I'm a man. I'm gonna act like the most stereotypical macho, you know, example of what a man is or whatever. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's probably I mean to play devil's advocate, somewhat of a defense mechanism to fit in. Yes. Right? I mean, it, it, in our, in our culture, we have such a, a narrow view of like what it means to be a man and what well, an this... acceptable, what an acceptable man looks like. And that's, that's, there's not a lot of gray area in, in society in terms but of the like same how you thing goes for women. You can't no, like discount say... women because for me, transitioning at such a young age, 
like I over sexualized myself because I thought that's what men wanted because oh. that's what's put out there. Yeah. So everything I did was based around being sexual and sexualizing myself. What and, you thought you and were ultimately to- you put me in the sex trade because I just went down that rabbit hole. Like what is what is the ultimate form mm. of acceptance from a man? I do, I do agree that the death, that w- how we interpret what it means to be male or female or masculine or feminine, I think a lot of it is convoluted with advertising and in and media. I, mm. I, you know, I and I, it, you know, like being a man means that you're, you, you know, you punch people and you act super macho, and being a woman means you're dainty and quiet and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. But I do think that there are traits that are very healthy, you know, in, in, in men and women, we should celebrate them, you know, like, um, I, I, I revolve it around just like being what? confident, uh, being a good supporter, being a good, now it doesn't mean now, by the way, this isn't, this isn't your gender. This could mean this is just qualities. Yeah. These you are mean just, just being yeah. a human being, being right. Being a human being, you know, um, but some of these things we've, we've connected to being more male or more female, and, you know, good or bad, if that comes from biology or not, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is people should just be cool, you know? Well, isn't the, like, the gift of human human knowledge is that we've learned what it takes to make humans healthy and well-rounded beings, right? We've, we've learned enough about what makes humans happy and well-rounded to know that just sticking to a list of stereotypically masculine or stereotypically feminine behaviors without a mix of both is not going to make anybody happy or healthy. Mm. What makes a healthy, a healthy, happy human being is a mix of all kinds of qualities, regardless of what gender stereotype is assigned to them. And again, if if you look generally, you know, generally you can say generally women tend to be, you know, more interested in this kind of stuff. And generally men tend to be, and you can definitely say that, that there's been, Studies on this done for decades, but that's not the point because, again, if you go down to the individual, I can find many women that seem to enjoy the stereotypical mm. male things and vice versa. And that's well, why you, I like can, the- you can learn to do things that don't come naturally to you. Sure. Like you can you can recognize that being an empathetic person makes you happy and healthy. Empathy may not come naturally. It's a muscle and you have yeah. to exercise it. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't come naturally to you, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. There's, you just practice it There's more. actually this test that you can take. I took a long time ago where they have pictures of just people's eyes. Was it in Cosmo? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it was a it was a, a, a it's to like see a, their sexual to, preference. No, no, to see what you're um, attracted to. No, what you're no, not what you're attracted to. Yeah, yeah, empathy, you empathy levels. At, yeah. So you look. I know. Yeah, just keep like throwing words. Like you could words. tell if someone was sad. Yeah, like can you yeah, tell what yeah, their emotion yeah. is? Are are they sad, happy, or whatever? And and women tend to score much higher than men. Uh, on that particular thing, on the empathy, generally, again, but I score very high on that. So, and again, it breaks down when you go down to the individual. Well, and then you have to also wonder, as somebody who spent, you know, most of my life, more of my life being raised and socialized female than than otherwise, um, there's a lot to the idea that that you are socialized to look for those things, too. That like women, yeah, you women can't separate may, the two. Yeah, That's women true. may not naturally be better at, at reading emotions. It, we are taught to read emotions. You're, t- I mean, I, I will, I will only speak for my own my own girlhood. But I know that when I was little, 
um, I very clearly remember being told by women who were older than me, like, pay attention when somebody does this, it means that they don't feel this or when they do this, it means that they're feeling whatever. Like you were, you were instructed how to, how to interpret those things also. Yeah. yeah, You're getting definitely more coaching in that direction. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I think there's probably like all things, there's, there's a, a mix of both, you know, and it's hard to separate the two, like, you know, that there's some genetic component and then there's some you know, social component. You, so you asked Chloe the question earlier about whether or not she had noticed a change yeah. in, in herself from transitioning. So I actually did notice. Yeah. I was going to say, because I know studies difference. will show that when you give someone more testosterone or more estrogen over time, they show changes in the actual structure of the brain as well. And certain behaviors. I would love to hear about what your experience was. The first, the first thing that I noticed changing about the way that I thought when I started taking testosterone was I noticed that my ability to change my perspective about an idea became much more limited. Mm. And I'll give it, I'll give an example. So I'm, I'm an attorney by trade. Um, I am somebody that's been taught how to see and argue multiple sides of a You're point good of at view. it too. That's my, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's something that I know how to do. So I can, I can still recognize gray area and nuance and argument and I can still make those arguments. But personally, pre-transition, if somebody had told me something and then I thought about it for a while and I, I could change my mind about it. So if I disagreed with something, I thought about it for a while, I could reason my way around changing my mind. It's much harder for me to do now. Mm. And it's not that I can't still see the argument or the gray area. You just notice a change it's in just the way. Hard, yeah, it's really harder mm. for my brain to switch That's interesting. the way that I'm thinking. Mm. Another another concrete example is the the physiological cry response. So it used to be pre-transition, if I was super angry about something, it would manifest itself in crying, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of women I, I used to empathize with other um, people who were socialized female who suffer from the same problem in that it's really genuine, serious anger. Sure. And it's not sad or, or upset, but it your body deals with that emotion and that rush of feelings by crying. Right. That doesn't happen to me anymore. And even still, some really sad things have happened to me and I cannot make myself cry which is really sad. I actually get sad about the fact that I can't get sad. Now, has that made you more or less empathetic for men? You know, it actually made me a lot more empathetic for men. When I, when I started transitioning and I noticed the ways that my brain was shifting and my ability to emote and just other things sort of changing, it made me empathetic because I realized that when you have, I feel like you have sort of a, like your tools are not as sharp in your toolkit. And I don't mean that effect, like any offense at all. I just mean that like my brain on testosterone feels like a much more blunt instrument. Mm. Yeah. I would have said I have different tools now instead of, well, it's, it's more, it's more of a, it's more of a, like a, a a hammer than like a fine instrument. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the ability to like fine tune my thoughts has changed. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of empathy thinking like, man, cis men who, are, you know, raised in our culture. And if they're not raised with any particularly good influences about how to sort of be critical in your thought about when people tell you a good man does X, Y, or Z, or this is what men do. If you're not critical in your Mm -hmm. thought about that and you buy into that and you never really question that, and then you have this set of tools, it made me empathetic for the fact that like you really can develop some very unhealthy, socially counterproductive habits 
just by existing. It's mm. sort of like it would be very easy to just naturally become kind of not a, an awesome person. Yeah, it takes active work to no, there's some utility. It takes I'm, like active work to unlearn a, the bad the the bad habits and sort of the free passes there, that you sort of There's get. some utility in uh, there's definitely some utility in the differences between the way this is a, a subject that I find fascinating. I read a lot about it and there's definitely some utility in the differences between the way men uh, tend to think and the way women tend to think. And I think they should both be celebrated. But like, you know, w- women build communities. They communicate far more and far more effectively. Men are very, very good at being focused singularly on one thing, sometimes to our fault. But many times societies also require that. Like you need the crazy, super hyper-focused guy who's going to Invent, invent shit, or 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 go over that mountain and it's super dangerous or whatever. So there's utility. That's why they both exist. I think, and I also think that there's a healthy version of both and an unhealthy version of both. And I find it very fascinating that you're able to see how because it does hormones do influence how how we you know how we think and, and the way we feel about certain things. Did you notice any change? Because I know they say uh, the literature will say that typically, and I don't, I'm not in this category by the way, that typically men. Um, have better spatial skills or directional skills. And the reason why I say I'm not in that category is I literally get lost everywhere. My boyfriend gets Every lost time. everywhere. <laughs> okay, yeah. everywhere. Did you notice any changes in your in your spatial ability or is that too... That's always been a strong suit of mine. Okay, so no matter I what. I don't... I didn't notice... I didn't notice any difference in, in like talents or... <laughs> or like I didn't I didn't Some notice that I didn't notice sudden. that the change like starts amplified <laughs> I could juggle now yeah, yeah. awesome well it, no um, <laughs> no I was gonna say I, I don't notice that it's it amplified anything that I was like naturally I don't know I don't think it made me any more gifted at anything mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like it being a guy shifts. fucking sucks. You didn't get any upgrades <laughs> well, I, <laughs> other than the beard. Other, beard, than the, yeah. other than the beard. Well, the, the muscle mass does help too, although that sure. comes with its downsides too. Like I'm hot all the time. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was actually the very first thing that I noticed about hormone transition. We always how, fight over the, the yeah. how hot I was. Thank you. Let's talk about this. It, 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 it is hot in here. It is hot in here. I need a fan. It is hot in here now, but I would, I, I felt like I was possessed or something just sitting in an empty room and would just be sweating like bullets for no reason yeah. at all. Yeah. It felt very much like in the, you know, in the Spider-Man comics or in all the Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies, the first day that Spider-Man wakes up after he's been bitten by the spider and like everything he does, he's like, oh shit, look, yeah. I can do that now. Yeah. I can do that. That's what being a trans person is like. At least it was like that for me. Every, you know, you not every the, day, but. You start uh, to feel the influence of the, yeah, the hormones like, and all that stuff. Yeah, you're like, look at what yeah. I can do now. Wow. I can do this. I can do That's that. Right. I Chloe, can sweat bullets you were saying moving. your boyfriend is the one that doesn't have good. Do you have better direction? God damn it! He can go to the same place like five times and still not know how to get there. Oh my there. gosh, that's me. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh okay, and I just figure it out. Okay. Go wherever I want. How long have you been dating your current boyfriend? This guy? Oh, mm. it's just very new. Is it? Oh. Now you are you exclusive? You exclusively uh, uh, date men? Yes, for the most part. I've yeah. tried with women. It's just disgusting. Really. I don't know. <laughs> For me, I don't like vaginas except mm. my own. So mm. I'm not going to like, I, I try. I gave it the good old college try about three times mm-hmm. and it just was not my thing. How does that conversation, when you start dating a man, when do you start having that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, that, yeah, that's got to be a tough Is that early on or? It's just a ball of wax. Is, is that it, one, it's like, 
a lot of people in my life assumed like after I had surgery that you I wouldn't have to say anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's actually more pertinent and harder to say something. I mean, I had surgery like a million eons ago, mm-hmm. but still it's harder. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's no natural, right? There's no signs. There's naturally. no impetus. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. like eventual reveal. So, there's for no for me. It's just I tried to rip the bandaid off right away and just get it done. Uh, the problem is, it's not a problem because I am passable. I hate to use that, but sure. this is just genetically how I look. But because I am passable, ninety nine percent of the men that come into my life have zero idea. Right. Have you had some bad reactions when you tell? Um, I don't get physical reactions, but I've definitely seen like the red light up like behind someone's mm-hmm. eyes um, because they're angry mm-hmm. or confused or feel tricked. And I'm just like, calm down. Yeah. I try to be empathetic and understand like a shock value and sure. being curious. It, Axel's not a gun. It always, <laughs> it, uh, it amazes me that anybody could ever meet Chloe and have them say like, I'm a trans woman and for them not to go, okay, you're still the fucking hottest thing. No, like, I get turned, <laughs> I, no seriously. I get like, turned who? down by, I would say 99% of men. I don't understand. Even that after they ask me out, like we were in New York, this is before I was in the relationship. We were in New York. So I just turned that Tinder on like five mil <laughs> radius. And, um, uh, probably 12 guys asked me out mm-hmm. and I told them all and only one was okay with it. Mm. So it's just, it's just, I don't know, part of the course. It's just how it it's is. It's hard There's to find. There's a stigma yeah. around it. I mean, that's just more, that is 100% to do with them and nothing to do but with But it's also you. an age thing. So yeah. the 30 and under crowd seem to be 100%, more or less, more 100% a-okay with it. Do you tend to date younger mm. then as a result? Or? Well, yeah. Mm. I mean, I kind of always have them, mm-hmm. but well, she oh, also doesn't look her. like she's as old <laughs> as she is. So, <laughs> I know. Cradle Robert. She fits into that. She fits into that thirty. That thirty crew. I mean, it's always because we're, we're the same age, but we don't look the same age. Yeah, it's always been within eight years ish, maybe twelve. I mean, so the there's a few. It's fun. A twenty-five-year-old guy is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the stamina I prefer <laughs> um, not always the technique and not always like the yeah. mental capacity sure. to be oh my god I'm, I'm like if you're 25 or younger positive, don't talk to me I'm a very sex positive body positive person right like, that is more, I'm surprised she has clothes on right that's now, more actually. my thing than, yeah based off her yeah based off her Instagram I am too I thought she was gonna yeah. come in like, right. <laughs> yeah that's more my thing than I'm an advocate for being trans but I think being Body positive, is body positive, sexually positive, mm. is the biggest thing to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. There's such a stigma around sex. It's a whole different conversation. Sure, sure. But um, it's been very interesting as a trans woman to mm. deal with people sexually and like see how that works. Well, that people. conversation's like boom. We need to have this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're when that's not you know a topic that might happen later on. Right, or I maybe get not treated like. Men, it's just, it's just weird. Guys act like it's herpes or something mm-hmm. when I tell them that I'm trans. They like freak out and are disgusted. And I'm like, eh. like mm. I don't understand. Do you yeah. guys, well, you ever get tired of having this conversation? What, yeah. Telling people that yeah. I'm trans? Yeah. No, just what we're talking about right now. Like, I mean, let, let's be honest. And I'd love for you guys yes. to be honest with it. Even coming here, were you apprehensive to come here thinking like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I said it in the mm. beginning. No, I didn't say this to you. So you had asked me before yes. if I was interested and mm-hmm. I ignored it mm-hmm. because I don't, I avoid, 
being like put up again into a corner. Sure. And so I don't know you. I had right. no experience with you. Chances are I could have come here. It could have been a 50-50. I could have been here by myself and I could have been put in a corner and it'd be me arguing with you guys. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid that kind of stuff. So I just don't answer. Yeah. I'll just ignore Do you. you. Well, what about you, Bennett? I... I, He's like, I, I love conflict. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, I mean, sign me the fuck it. up. I'm coming. I don't even know who the fuck uh, these guys are. I mean, I'm an, <laughs> I'm an attorney, so I like arguing with people. If there's arguing on the menu, I'm down. But more to the point is that I am an, I view myself as an educator. Um, I don't live in the closet. I have never been in the closet uh, in any of my various identities that I could have hidden in the closet. Never have. Um, I'm very out and proud about who I am, and I'm I'm open to having this conversation mm-hmm. with other people as many times as I have to, so that other people don't have to. Mm-hmm. Because because I pass, because I have a beard, because I'm tall enough that most guys don't fuck with me, because I'm you know college educated, because I have all these things, I put myself in a position to have these conversations, so that people who are not as fortunate as I am sure. don't have to. Because I hope that they won't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so no, I will have this conversation with as many people as ask me. Now, sometimes I will tell people like I'm not in the mood or I don't have, um, I use this phrase called the spoons. Have you guys heard of the spoon theory? No. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. So it's, it's premised on the idea. It started with a, a woman who suffered from chronic illness. She had a, an autoimmune disorder that caused her chronic pain. It might have been fibromyalgia or something similar. But the idea is that everybody has a certain number of spoons that they start the day with. And everything you do costs you a spoon or two or three. And for some people, depending on what situation you're in, certain tasks take more out of you than others. And so sometimes I just don't feel like I have the spoons to give to a conversation about you know, my gender identity or trans issues. Some days I have the spoons and I'll say, yeah, I can have that conversation. But some days I just don't have the emotional energy or the physical wherewithal. But, you know, part of being um, a person who takes care of themselves is recognizing when you do or don't have the, the capacity to engage something and knowing when to turn it off. And so I turn it off when I don't have the space to so that when I do, I can have that conversation. I call that fucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like I don't have the fucks. No to get. more fucks. I, yeah. yeah. I only get but so many. Sometimes, fucks in it. <laughs> sometimes it's about fucks, but sometimes it's just about energy too. Like yeah. sometimes yeah. you just don't have. Like you, right. li- you're like I literally cannot be fucked to like get up right sure, now. Sure. Sure. I like to say when it's when it's more of the fucks, I say I don't have any more spoons. All I've got is knives. Let me give you one of these bad boys. No yeah. more spoons in my drawer. It's only knives. Yeah. So stay away. Um, but yeah, so I, I like to have these conversations. I, um, I keep a blog. I am out at work. A big part of my practice is helping to educate people on issues of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Um, so yeah, this is, this is my work. What are, what are some other of the misconceptions out there, the things that maybe annoy you the most that you have to combat? Well, so you asked a question earlier that, that raised a point that I wanted to bring. You asked Chloe about what the steps were in her transition. Yeah. So one of the common misconceptions that I want to make clear for everyone is that trans people are a very big community and it's a broad umbrella. And what it means to be trans is kind of different to everybody. And so every trans person, their transition looks different to them. And so like what Chloe has had, done or what she has chosen to do to bring her body in line with herself is different than what other trans people may feel like they need to do in order to do it. So there's no like set agenda for a gender transition. 
Um, I run into people all the time who have the misconception that if you don't have dysphoria about all of the parts of your body, then you're not trans. And that's just, that's just false. There are a lot of trans people who don't choose to have gender reassignment surgery because they don't have any problems with their body the way it looks. Mm. They may have problems with the gender that other people assign to their body parts just based on them being body parts, but they don't necessarily have a problem with their body themselves. So for me, having surgery was crucial. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine another day with male genitalia. Mm -hmm. And other trans women just don't feel like that. Which baffles me. Yeah, like, and I don't understand that. I sure. can still support them, but I don't understand that. That's not my experience. What's the legal legally now? You don't need do you you no. don't need reassignment surgery. No. What's the legal definition now of when you're when the, when the government considers you male or female? Is it just a hormone for a certain time? It's different. It's different in every state, um, and it's different. Really, there's no the there's federal, no federal. Okay, no, it's it's different everywhere. Okay. So in the state of California, in order to legally change your gender, say on your driver's license, mm -hmm. you get your you go to the DMV and you fill out a form that your physician has to sign an affidavit saying that you are okay. undergoing appropriate treatment for gender identity disorder or for for gender but identity. But that's not new. No. Uh, that existed when I transitioned. So, so that's, that's not been new. around a very long time. That's not new. But the difference is, is that California law used to require surgery as part of gender identity treatment. And it's not required anymore. Basically, the law says that your doctor says that you're doing what's appropriate for you, whatever that means. Mm. So for some people, that's surgery. For other people, it's not. Now, what happens? Is there something that will indicate biological sex if there's an emergency? Because I know that there are cases where if you're biological male or female that in, your, in the ER that they need to know you know, uterus or whatever. Is there anything like that? Or nope. okay, nope. There, there, it would you, be it would be up to the person to disclose. I mean, like if I went to the emergency, what if you room, were unconscious? Well, well yeah. if I was unconscious, they'd just have to take my pants off. Okay, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be pretty obvious. Well, okay. don't they test for you know if you're pregnant, even like down to you know if you're a girl, like well, you know that, little girl, they, they'll test for that just so they know. I mean, I OD'd on, and was admitted to the hospital unconscious. There was never an issue. Okay, I think it depends on also why it is that you're going to the doctor. So this raises an interesting point. There's a, um, a hashtag. I forget if it's like sick while trans or something like that, but it's basically people sharing their stories about terrible things that have happened to them when they've gone to the doctor to seek treatment for something completely unrelated to their gender and have been told that they can't receive medical treatment because they're trans. So for example, I had a friend who went to, we were at UC Irvine and he went to the UCI health clinic for a sinus infection just a sinus infection, happens to be a trans person. And they told him that they couldn't treat him for his sinus infection because they weren't sure how the antibiotics were going to interfere with his hormone therapy. And he's ignorance. like, uh, excuse me, I, just the same way it would with anybody else. I have a sinus infection. Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't treat him because they didn't know how to treat a trans person. That's ridiculous. It's like your your gender identity in that case has nothing to do with yeah. what you're there for. There's a few cases where it will count, well, but, but maybe yeah. not that. I, no, no, no. I kind of want to back up a little bit as well when you're asking about what it looked like for me. Mm -hmm. So up until recently, they just believed, doctors just believed that for trans women that you just counteract the testosterone, counterbalance it, mm -hmm. and then remove the source completely. But that's just not the case anymore because you need testosterone for you your body some. to function properly. Right. So for many, many years, I just had estrogen in my body. 
And so, but that was just the school of thought. That's mm-hmm. just how it. That's just how it was to make you as feminine as possible. You removed all the testosterone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I have a balance of both. What, what, what did you notice a physical difference, emotional difference? Did you notice any differences between the two? Well, the biggest perk was sexual. Yeah, I mean, because I'm already a huge sexual, a sexually driven person anyway. So for me, that was phenomenal. Um, and my mental state and my sleep. Mm. Mm. Interesting. You both went, mm. yeah, exactly. Well, those no, are fe- extremely yeah. important yeah. things. Yeah. 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 We talk about the importance of both those things. So, well, hormone balance is a big, I mean, we're in the fitness and health space and that's a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how difficult it would be to balance that as you're right it probably the, takes years to figure it out yeah the, like being able to have the right blend the newer doctor that i'm seeing couldn't believe that it was working out the amount i was and doing what i was doing with no testosterone it's mm. i mean medic the medical profession has basically treated trans people like science experiments for the last like 50 years there's no there's been no real concerted study of how to treat and help trans people with hormones it's all it's all pretty much hearsay what people say at like um conventions it's all very sort of informal it's only just starting to be tracked on like a long scale Mm -hmm. um basis but even the most the only study to my knowledge that's been done on the long-term health effects of like hormone replacement therapy in trans men has only been done over the last 15 years and it was only with like less than fewer than 200 people in the study so it's not Mm -hmm. even really like that big you know that good of a study Mm -hmm. But we, I mean, like what Chloe is saying with the experimentation has been, that's just how we get treated. The second endocrinologist I ever saw decided for whatever reason he thought my testosterone dose should be half of what I had been taking under my prior doctor, even though there was nothing wrong with my labs, nothing like that. He was about 93 years old, had never treated a trans person before, thought my dose was incorrect without seeing any information, cut it without my having any say in it. And basically I was like a crazy person Mm. for three months. I felt totally out of whack, like emotional, tired, moody, all these terrible things. Finally went back to him and was like, no, I need to go back to where I was. And he was like, I just think that's too high Mm. and had no, had no regard for what I was saying. So I had to see a different doctor. He also told me every time I saw him that I need to be careful not to get pregnant because something really terrible could happen if I ever got pregnant while I was on T. And I was like, first of all, you only need to give me that warning once, bud. Like, just just the one just the one time is good enough. But certainly every time I sit down, you reminding me that I could get pregnant is a bit triggering. So I, I also thought it may be because he was too old and he didn't remember he had told me before. He actually died uh, shortly after I quit seeing him. So he really was really old. But it was, but he was, you know, he was an endocrinologist. He is the kind of doctor that is supposed to treat people mm. for things like I needed treatment for. And he had no idea what he was doing. Wow. And he was supposed to be an expert. Mm. So it's a lot of being trans is about having to advocate for yourself and having to do your own studies and mm. track well, there, your Are there specialized doctors out and, there that, you know, you can recommend or, you know, there's so many, there are, yeah. there are now. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more so now. many. I mean, my first doctor was actually right over here, like off the Alameda really? just, but, and that's all she did. 25 years you know it's it's, it's, it's regional though because like here in norcal there's a lot of resources for trans people in well, healthcare. well balance, balancing out hormones for anybody is yeah, hard because like they just came out with a study that showed that you know in men testosterone levels don't dictate how don't dictate how strong they are or how much muscle they build as much as the 
androgen receptor density does. Ooh, say so, it again. So, so androgen receptors are the receptors <laughs> that the testosterone attaches to. And they were finding that men with lower testosterone levels just got more out of that testosterone than some men with higher testosterone. And this is more of a recent thing. And I have clients who've had to go on thyroid. We've been giving people thyroid medicine forever. And it's like, takes them like a year or two years to just to figure out the right dose. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a hard, that's a, that's a hard thing to figure out. Anyway. What about, what about cost? How much does this cost you? Yeah. <laughs> Can um, I ask you that? I, was, my, just, I have no in terms of what's clue. covered and what, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like how much out of pocket, out of pocket. Yeah. Luckily with, at least with medical insurance, with thankful. How big post, you go or Post what? Affordable Care Act. How big you go? Is that how- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's well, just an inappropriate so, quote so right there. Fine. No, but the, the, inter- <laughs> the interesting thing is though, so since the Affordable you, Care Act was enacted, states can no longer, states had to enact policies saying that insurance providers within their states could no longer discriminate against trans care. So it used to be that even if you had health insurance, your health insurance provider could refuse to cover care just because it was related to gender identity reasons. That's no longer allowed. So if you have insurance, theoretically, you should be able to get insurance coverage for all of your care, which means like my copay for my testosterone is like 10 bucks for a vial or something. It's cheap. But the problem is, is that for surgery, even though it might be technically covered by insurance, surgeons who provide gender affirming care for trans people tend to be plastic surgeons and they tend to be people who don't take insurance. Right. Mm. So we, at least I know- it falls under the cosmetic things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and because if you're a plastic surgeon, particularly like, so I'm a trans guy and I've had top surgery, which means I had a double mastectomy in order to have a more male contoured chest. The people who do that procedure are plastic surgeons. Sure. Right. Plastic surgeons don't take insurance Mm -hmm. because the procedures that they do are not covered by insurance. And if you know anything about administrating medical insurance, it's a huge nightmare. And so if they offer a service that isn't traditionally covered, they have no impetus to get into any insurance markets because the people who buy their services pay out of pocket. And so I have insurance that theoretically would have covered my surgery, but I couldn't find a surgeon who took insurance to cover it. So I had to pay out, so of, pocket. To pay out of pocket. Yeah. And that, and it can be quite expensive. Yes. I can only imagine. I, would just I say paid my- out of pocket because I wanted to get it done fast. I could have gotten on a waiting list for somebody that would have taken my insurance and waited for like a year or more. Mm, mm. So I think for my me, hormones for a year cost about twelve hundred dollars per uh, maybe fourteen. You said per, per year? year, yeah. Whoa. That's not too bad. That's yeah. a lot. That's like a hundred bucks a month. Well, it's because of testosterone. I do testosterone pellets, uh, the bioidentical. Those are more expensive. so, which is expensive. Yeah. I don't care to. do How often do you have to get the pellets put in? Every four months. Oh, so they last for four a while. To five months, yeah. That's probably better than the up and down that you might get with yeah. injection mm-hmm. type of deal. I've never tried the the pellets myself. I've done topical like androgel mm-hmm. and I've done injections. Mm. Which surgery isn't cheap. I mean, and this is another thing I think we go along with that whole privilege thing. Mm-hmm. I was lucky lucky enough to come from an upper middle class family mm-hmm. that supported me and helped me. Not everyone has that right available to them. Right. Not everyone can even afford their copay. Yeah. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. have the surgery. So there's part of the privilege thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, we're into the tens of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. depending on what we're talking about. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I, I want to really just commend you guys for just coming on and talking with us about this. I know you mm-hmm. were a little apprehensive, like you said before. Um, I appreciate this conversation. I think this yeah. ha- needs to happen more. I don't think the whole, you know, the, the conversation around whether or not it's an advantage in sports, I don't think we necessarily resolve that. But at the end of the day, I think we all agree that, that's up to the organization, and I think we'll see how it, it plays out. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we also all agree that I think we're all yeah. pro. I think we're all team human. Yeah, yeah I, I think we say. just yeah. need to give it about ten or fifteen more years, and then we'll have actual mm-hmm. evidence and um, uh, stuff to study. Yeah, yeah. Right? exactly. Like we don't have enough time behind us right now. It's going to be a little tumultuous, yeah, probably very, for it's about very ten new years. Thing, yeah. Well, but, especially with a sport like CrossFit, like it's such a diverse and multifaceted mm-hmm. sport to try to. Yeah. We'll see if shoehorn anything we'll, into two we'll see if that sport even exists in 10 years yeah, that's a whole exactly. other discussion <laughs> that's a whole other discussion yeah, so. fun, right? <laughs> but, but I, I want to thank you both for, for coming on the show yeah it's been great really really yeah. appreciate it and um, and maybe we'll do this again I hope so we should we should yeah. have an update yeah. Yeah. you guys can listen to our show yeah <laughs> excellent thank you uh-huh. All right. thanks. Thanks. thank you for listening to Mind Pump if your goal is to build and shape your body dramatically improve your health and energy and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>